You're listening to the Porch Time Podcast. I'm so excited. Are we doing this? I think we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry that we are a week late on this. It's been so hectic with our new launch and just kind of getting everything together. I feel like I'm always playing catch up but we're here we're back and I promise I know I keep saying this I'm gonna try to really 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 get back to our consistent Thursday at a normal hour launch weekly of the podcast you have my word I'm really working on prioritizing this um, because I love the feedback I've been getting from all of you our amazing listeners I love interviewing all of our guests I love having solo pods but Thank you so much for your patience. I'm so excited to introduce this incredible guest that we interviewed over the summer. This was while I was in Paris, um, so we recorded her on Zoom. So I'm so excited to introduce Paula Escobedo Avila. She is an incredible, incredible mom, listener of the podcast, consumer of all the babies, and of course, founder of the Perinatal Circle of Care in Richmond, California. They're a small community-based program that works with expectant parents, babies, and primary care providers to provide emotional support to families during pregnancy and postpartum. I mean, what she's doing is absolutely incredible, and getting to chat with her and really understand about the emotional challenges, physical challenge, all the things that women are having to navigate during their pregnancy, after their pregnancy. It's just really interesting, even understanding how the body holds on to trauma and how that can affect how you're going to hold the baby and carry the baby. And like, I mean, I'm going to let her speak all into it, but it's so incredible. She reached out to us a few months ago and we were just so excited to have her on the podcast. And I'm just so excited for you all to listen to this. I think it's a really inspiring episode. It's a vulnerable episode. She shares her own story and her experience with postpartum, which makes it really even all the more special of why she started Perinatal Circle of Care. So I encourage you all to support, to donate. It's a nonprofit. And what they're doing is just really needed. And I wish that things like this can continue to grow and expand because this is exactly the community and the support that mothers need that um, childbearing women need like everybody needs and it's just really relevant and it's really important especially in this post-covid era especially and just all these new struggles that we're having to navigate every day so I'm really excited for this episode, and here is Paula. Enjoy. I am so, like, your email touched me so much that you sent to us, mm-hmm. and I'm so touched that you reached out in this way. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the goal of this podcast. So first of all, thank you for even mm-hmm. being willing to share. What you're doing is incredible. I can't wait to dive in to all of it. Yeah, I do. I do want to add on to that email. You know, I am so excited to be on here when everyone's like, what, who's, whose podcast is it? And it's like, you're pod, you just started the podcast. So that's also the thing. I'm like, you guys, not everyone knows about it yet. I'm like, it's for all the babies. My husband totally knows about it because just like I said in the email, I swear, like I was postpartum and I didn't have anything to wear. And I was like, I just need to be comfortable, but I also want to feel good. And, I, and then I came across all the babies 
And um, I remember my husband just being like, it's your maternity leave money, like just order whatever you want. And I'm like, it's not cheap. He's like, it doesn't matter. Like just you need to do what you need to do to help you feel good. And we ordered um, the butter and then we also ordered the milk. And I was just like the butter would just literally bring me pure sunshine joy every time because my daughter and I, that's all we had, the park and getting our sweats on and just going to the park and being on our little blanket and nothing else. That's all we had during the, during the pandemic and quarantine. So it is a big deal to me to be on this podcast and to be talking to you because you brought us so much joy during the quarantine, during the pandemic. That means so much. And I can't believe you even brought that up because I literally copy and pasted that last part of your email and I was going to read it Mm -hmm. because you were literally like, Mm -hmm. I'm writing to you because I want to get the word out there about our program. And I remember when we were having our hardest days, I would put on our matching all the baby sets and butter and it would always brighten mm-hmm. my day. And it's just like the sweetest, sweetest message. And like, I just have to say, and I'm like a broken record, especially if you listen to the podcast, but for me, it's truly all about our community. It's about our people. And like, mm-hmm. this is, this is how I started all the babies. I would have these mom to mom interviews in the mm-hmm. beginning And I was like, these are really special. We need to bring them to a new medium. So here we are doing Mm -hmm. it in this way. So thank you. Thank you for your willingness to share your story, your vulnerability, because your story, even if you don't think it helps one mom, five moms, 10 moms, like it just really speaks volumes and your willingness to share helps other people feel like they can share. And it just creates a really beautiful thing. So Mm-hmm. For that. Thank you. I like to always get into it by asking our guests to introduce themselves first, because I think that mm-hmm. you can really speak to your story and who you are. So can you just introduce yourself, who you are, what you've done, what you're doing now, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so I'm Paola. I am... What am I? I thought about this because I was like, do I want to start with being a mother first? You know, I think mother is the newest part of my identity. Um mm. But I am also, so I'm Pia's mom. I'm also a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. And I am a perinatal mental health therapist and the program manager and co-developer of the perinatal circle of care. And so we're the newest program we're at at located in Richmond, California. So NorCal and um, we're a part of a larger agency, the Early Childhood Mental Health Program. Um, so we do a lot of zero to five mental health services and, um, we weren't able to serve a lot of moms. And so we created the perinatal circle of care. It's so amazing. And can you explain to our listeners why the perinatal circle of care is so important, especially right now? Yeah. So, um, for us specifically, we provide zero to five mental health services um, by providing the services for free under Medi-Cal. So, but the problem that we would always come across is that we would get a lot of referrals from mothers who had postpartum depression. And yes, we could serve them because they had babies, but we would come across the issue where we would have to diagnose the baby and Mm. we would be providing the services to mom and baby, but under the child's Medi-Cal. And so I think this is going to touch on a little bit about my story. So my training is actually in perinatal mental health. So I, um, I'm a, I'm a social worker as well. I graduated from Berkeley and I got my MSW. So I was a social, I 
for this, I'm a social worker as well. I'm getting my hours to become a licensed clinical social worker. But while I was getting my degree, I was receiving training at San Francisco General Hospital. And so I was doing mental health consultations at the birth center, as well as being an intern for the Child Trauma Research Program, which is run by, if like you're in the, in the infant mental health field, it's by, run by Dr. Alicia Lieberman. And my supervisor was Dr. Gloria Castro, who they're all just um, huge in the field of infant and maternal mental health. And so they are really driven to provide trauma-informed therapeutic services to children under five. And so when I came to them, I had a big interest in pregnancy and postpartum. And so they're like, well, let's send you to the birth center and get you to do all the consults there. And so I received this like incredible training going to be by mother's sides in the NICU, in the postpartum unit. Um, and then at the same time, we were getting referrals to provide therapeutic support to mothers throughout pregnancy with an emphasis on their relationship with the baby. And so the type of therapy that we do is an individual therapy. The type of therapy that we do is always on the relationship with their baby, even if the baby isn't present. So the baby's always in our mind, the baby's always in the room, even if the baby's in, their, in the belly. Because what we're really trying to do is help the mother explore and understand the impact that her past trauma, her experiences have had on her and that the impact that this may have on attachment and on her baby. So really making space for her during pregnancy to be able to welcome her baby, provide protection, nurturance, and safety to them once they're born. Um, that is so, so fascinating yeah, <laughs> because like, honestly, such a common theme I'm seeing is this like generational trauma and a lot mm -hmm. of the guests that we've had on and that they're holding it onto their body. And until they had a baby is like when, or like they were pregnant is when they decided to face that trauma to like mm -hmm. handle it. I don't want it to affect how I mother. I don't want it to get into my baby. And so like, that's actually a thing. Like it, you have to retrain the body almost to like mm -hmm. disconnect from the trauma. So it doesn't get into the baby. Like how does yeah. that even, it's mm -hmm. so crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before a lot of the thought was you shouldn't do therapy and talk about really difficult stuff with moms while they're pregnant because there's such a vulnerable time and it's going to get transmitted to the baby as well. But we really believe that we're doing a disservice to the mother, like the trauma yeah. happened, like the trauma is living in their body, the trauma is there. We're doing a disservice to the mother by not providing that space for her, a safe contained space for her to deal with that trauma before the baby is here. So when they were coming to us postpartum, you know, I was, I was still doing the assessment. I was um, doing the work with mom's postpartum and I, we just kept hitting these roadblocks. I'm like, why can't we serve them beforehand? They're like, we can't because they're over 18. Medi-Cal won't cover it. Um, so I, I found out I was pregnant, um, like, a month within starting this new job when I was doing just therapy for the zero to five program. And, um, and actually a couple of weeks after that, my mom passed away. So I started my new job. My mom passed away. Um, I was pregnant and I, I had to tell my, my boss I was pregnant and that I was, that I lost my mom on the same day because I was waiting for her. I was waiting for a couple more months before I was going to let her, let them know, but there was all this stuff going on. So I had to tell her, but you know, I, Firmly, like after working in this job, I'm like, it's possible to be in an environment where you can support working moms and families because I got that in this job. You know, she's like, you don't even need to worry about like your job is here. You have support. You have what you need. We're here for you, whatever you need. So wow. fast forward six more months. 
um, March came around or February came around, everybody was talking about the, about, you know, COVID. Um, I wasn't due for another three weeks on March hit and the world, you know, shut down the weekend, the weekend of the 17th or something that week. Yeah. March didn't you 17th. have your baby on like the 22nd or something? I had my baby on the 22nd. Yeah. So she was, so she wasn't due for another three more weeks. And, um, I think it was just like the stress of hearing everything that was going to happen and, yeah. you know, Sunday happened. It was like the time of Tiger King and everything was going around and my, so we put Tiger King on and we thought we were just going to binge watch all day. And, um, I just like felt what my, well, like we're going into my birth story now. I don't, no, <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's what we but do. It's all, it's all intertwined. Yeah. I can we'll, we'll feel get it. To answering your questions. I promise we'll answer it. Um, so the, they didn't believe me that I was having my baby. They're like, you're a first time mom. You're three weeks early. There's no way that's your baby. Just go lay down. If more water comes out of you, then you're having a baby or come to the doctor, come to the emergency room. But they just didn't really want people to come into the emergency room because it was the first weekend. So nobody knew what the heck they were doing with COVID. Um, so more water was trickling out. I sent my husband, like, you know, if it's if she's coming, we don't have the stroller set up. We don't have the car, the car seat in the car. So I sent my husband to go install the car seat to wash the car. And so I was just pretty much laboring at home all by myself, you know, because um, I think I touched something. Um, so I was laboring at home because I sent my husband to go do all the things. I started craving some guac and I was like and I texted him and I'm like can you please like send me all this stuff for guac because I'm so hungry and guac sounds so refreshing right now he's like are you sure I was like yeah I just really need something right now so I'm like still cleaning up the house and I'm setting up the stroller and I'm just like having all these like cramps I feel like period cramps and I'm like they told me this isn't it so like you need to just like buckle down girlfriend because if this isn't labor and you can't deal with period cramps like how are you gonna actually deal with labor so I got into the shower I remember like talking to my mom and I was like you just like need to help me through this like I don't know what's going on if this is it then you just need to make sure we're okay that we're good and um I remember my friend texting me while I was in the shower and she had like he was texting me this long paragraph about her and her boyfriend. And I was like, I do not have the time for this yeah. right now. Impossibly. <laughs> yeah. And so then I got out of the shower. Um, and then at that point there was some blood and I texted my, my husband. I was like, I think you need to come home. Like, I think we're, we're good to go. Um, so then we got into, he got home and then um, I put some comfy clothes on and then I was so hungry still. I was like, just give me that orange. That orange looks amazing. And like I drank, I, I like sat down at our table and I ate like the most delicious orange that I can ever, I can't even describe to you. It was like the most delicious orange I've ever had. And um, at this point, like my contractions were like five minutes apart and our hospital was still like another 25 minutes away. And so <laughs> we get in the car and I'm like texting my dad and my sister and I'm like, we're going to the hospital. I think she's coming. I don't know. And so um, we're just on the way there. And at this point, we're two minutes apart with contractions. We get to the hospital. The emergency room exit is closed because of COVID. They want to like contain everything. Right. So, I, so I had to walk like completely around the hospital and I'm still like contracting right there and the security guard is like following me he's like can you please just sit down on this wheelchair I'm like I need you to back away from me with that wheelchair because like I need to just walk this out right and so we get to the to the delivery room um 
or to triage they still want to triage me and they're like doing all these things and they're like no we can't check you because you have a midwife um so we need to just like wait to see if when your midwife comes like what's going on let's put the belly monitor on you so we can measure her heartbeat and I'm like I'm telling you something's coming out like I'm ready to push um either I have to push to go to the bathroom or I'm going to push to have a baby right now so you can decide what you want me to do and then when they checked me they're like oh no yeah like this baby is coming you're 10 and 1 like you're ready to go so they like wheel me into the delivery room COVID is still a still a very brand new thing my husband was supposed to like disinfect gown mask there was no time for any of that yeah, they, like, of me in. um there was a doctor there who so I have Kaiser and so for Kaiser you can have a midwife throughout um your all your prenatal visits if that's what you choose but I've when you're that. giving birth it's whoever you whoever's on call that's going to deliver your baby okay so Mm-hmm. So an OB was on call, but I also knew that my my midwife was going to be on call in the next five to 10, 10 minutes. Like I knew it was at 6 p.m. she was going to come in and we're at 5.45. So this OB is telling me to push. She's being pretty intrusive. I'm just like telling me I'm not pushing right. And it was just because I knew that my body wasn't connecting with her. My body didn't want to push for her. Um, whoa. And so whoa, whoa, just, whoa, wait. I need you to pause, pause. right there because... <laughs> I have never heard that perspective. And I love that. Like, I love Mm -hmm. that your body knew who or what you were comfortable with. And in that moment, you were like, I can't even do that for you. Whoa, Mm -hmm. I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's like such a huge deal. You know, I know there's a lot of conversation around hospital birth, home birth. And, you know, I think a big part of my job is also to really just normalize both and normalize that that. we don't all have the opportunities for both and I think that there is a big chance like part of my job is really to bridge the gap between pregnant women and families and the medical staff because Mm -hmm. there's not always an opportunity for a home birth as you know idealistic as perfect as that can be but I think there is a really big opportunity for us to be able to, as mental health providers, to bridge that gap and everything that gets lost in the translation with medical providers so that we can still have the birth that we want in yeah. a hospital setting. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry I interrupted, but that was no, really okay. powerful to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. So I was like, I would look at my husband and I'm like, I just don't, I don't like everything that's going on down there. I don't want to push. Uh, and so I just kept closing my eyes. I was ignoring what that OB was saying. I kept looking at the clock and I was like, I know she's coming. And at 5.59, I heard, it was like the voice of an angel. I heard my midwife and she goes, okay, I'm here. We got this. Like your body knows what to do. We've talked about this and you know what to do. I'm just here for you, whatever you need, but you've got this. And like I opened my instant it was just like everything just felt like relief like I could feel myself just like opening up letting go we're we're good and um I think that all went back to like I knew I was in a hospital setting I knew all my prenatal appointments were you know clinic based but I had that conversation with her that I was like I'm I have a birth idea of what I want it to go like things can change I know that but I also know that's because a lot of because of my training um so I'm open to it um, but at the same time, I also know that this is what my body was meant to do. Yeah. And she knew that from like when all our conversations that we would have together. And so I think she really remembered those conversations. Mm-hmm. And that was the first thing, you know, she popped in and she said, and she honestly, like she sat 
where, she, where the OB was sitting, like they switched spots, but she, I could hear like that she scooted back in her little stool. And she's like, I'm here. I'm not even going to touch you. Like you tell me what you need. And oh. I was like, I honestly just need a nap. And she goes, okay, we don't have another contraction for another 30 seconds. Take a little nap, like sleep it off. Like if that's what you need, then sleep it off. And I honestly like did close my eyes and I feel like I did kind of like doze in and out. And then, um, and then we would push and she was more honestly like more, <laughs> this is where I like, do I want to say this? She was more worried about my husband because like she would look at my husband and she's like, I think he just like needs a break. So like, don't even hold on to him anymore. Your nurse is right there. Hold on to her. He needs a break. You all just need a break, but you guys got this. And so we pushed for like another 20 minutes and at 628, like Pia came out into the world and, you so know, fast. yeah. From like 11 a.m. to 6:28, that was my labor and that was my pushing time. And she came out three weeks early. Oh my gosh! Did you even end up having time to get an epidural at that point? Probably not, because you were already 10 and one. Yeah, no. When we when we triage, they're like, "What? What's your plan? Like, do you want any type of medication?" Um, I had said like I wanted the the laughing gas because you can have the laughing gas that isn't more permanent. And she said, um, "It's not actually called laughing gas, but you know, yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. something that happens really quick." And she goes, "Oh, we're not doing that right now because of COVID." Um, so I said, "Look, if I'm at seven, I'll get an epidural. Like, I'm not against anything. I already made it this far." But then when she said ten and one, she's like, "You don't have time for anything. So we're yeah. just we're just oh, getting we're going in." Mm-hmm. I mean, insane. Hello, do not skip through this ad because if you love all the babies as much as I do, of course, I'm biased because it's my brand, then you're not going to want to skip this because I have a discount code for you. We just recently launched our newest novelty collection, which features hoodies, crewnecks, and sweatpants in adult and baby, sorry, no hoodies for babies yet, in this amazing novelty wash and finish. It features the coziest vintage style grinding around the cuffs, the hoodie pocket, the neckline, so it creates this really worn in extra look, plus this amazing mineral wash, so it adds this softness to the color and little pigment throughout, so think that perfect sun-dyed finish meets your favorite vintage find. Um, they're just perfect. They, they give you all the things that you could need and I worked really hard on them and I want you to all get your hands on them. So if you've been eyeing the pieces, you have them in your cart, you really want to buy. And if you're a listener of the pod, then guess what? Special code incoming. Use code ATBFAM, that's A-T-B-F-A-M in all caps at checkout for a special friends and family 20% off discount towards your next purchase with us at www.allthebabies.co. That's A-L-L-T-H-E-B-A-B-I-E-S dot co. Thank you so much for your support. And, Mm -hmm. And how is that? Because I really want you to also now walk us through the timeline of events, right? Because it's like, yeah, if I'm not mistaken in the same time that yeah you just said this in the same time that you had found out you were pregnant you had also lost your mom like that same mm-hmm. day no within I found out I was pregnant within a few months I, I lost my mom at 13 weeks okay so how did you then go about that morning was that like a you know while you're carrying a baby 
then obviously COVID hitting, like there, you were hit with three huge altering life events, right? Like we can all agree that losing a parent is an altering life mm-hmm. event, that becoming pregnant for the first time is an altering life event, having a baby, like, and then this pandemic hitting is truly an altering life event. It was so unknown at the time. Mm-hmm. And how did that affect your body? How did that affect like your pregnancy? How did that affect mm-hmm. everything? Cause I feel like when you're going through something like that, like, how do you not hold it into your body? How do you protect your baby? Like there's so many things. Yeah. I think, you know, the whole, my whole pregnancy, um, I kept saying, and even postpartum, I kept saying, you know, if this was going to happen to somebody, it had to have, it had to happen to me. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what I was trained for. Like, this is the work that I want to do, the work that I wanted to do even before I found out I was going to be a mother. Um, Not to say like, I think, you know, at the same time, that could be me kind of intellectualizing everything, making it more concrete to not have to deal with the loss of my mother. But um, I think I just had the tools um, that I needed to really get through it during pregnancy during postpartum that was a whole different story I feel like I lost all those tools postpartum but during pregnancy um, I really just um, let my body feel what it had to feel you know like obviously I knew what that the impact that it could have on my baby and there are still moments where I'm like oh my god does she have heightened cortisol levels because of me does she you know is she going for um, disposed to depression or anxiety because she was in my belly when I suffered such a loss but I just had to just feel what I had to feel um, during pregnancy I there was nothing I could do and I knew that if I had if I shielded my daughter if I protected her then I wouldn't be letting myself feel in I think you know at, at some point I did protect her a lot but and it was trickling in postpartum but you just had you just had to I just had to feel it you know and um I relied a lot on my, the person who I did the training, who trained me um, as, as an intern, I did a train, the training with a, a, a postdoc, so like a psychologist who was just getting her final hours. And so I relied a lot on her. She was like my, like my own perinatal therapist. Um, yeah, I was very open with my husband. Like I was like, you know, there are moments where I'm just going to have to blurt out. I really miss my mom and I don't need you to do anything about it. I don't need you to like worry that that's going to impact the baby. I just need you to sit with me really missing my mom. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. It's it's also that, that true tale of like when one thing ends, another thing begins, which always is so profound, especially and other conversations I've had with moms and like losing something and then gaining something. And I think that that in itself gives you strength. And it's like truly the circle of life. Like it's cheesy as it sounds or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, it's so mm-hmm. real, but yeah. Mm-hmm. With I, her, I think I became a, like a, not a religious person. I became very spiritual and that I was like, no, that it has to be the circle of life. I'm like, there's yeah. no way that my mom and, and Pia didn't cross paths. as yeah. like my mom was leaving and Pia was coming in because I did have the only dream I ever dreamed of Pia was the night before my mom passed away. And I had a dream that I was having a baby girl, like a big brown eyes. And that's what Pia has these huge brown eyes. And that's um, that's I know every time now I can actually say it without crying. But, um, mm. and I told my sister the next day and she's like, you know, you just can't tell my mom, like my mom 
she swore you were having a boy and but yet like she my 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 daughter's full name is Tia Liliana so Liliana is my half my husband's name mom's name and half my mom's name so Liliana Anna and my mom one day texted me and she's like I think you should, if you have a daughter she's like I don't know why I keep thinking you're gonna have a daughter even though I swear you're having a boy but if you have a daughter her name should be Liliana so um when I saw the dream that I was going to have a girl, I was like, no, but like her name's going to be Pia and it's going to be Pia Liliana. Like that's her name. That's it. So I just have to like hold on to the fact that there's no way that they didn't cross paths when one left and the other one came. A hundred percent. Wow. And I think that what's really (laughs) fascinating, right? A part of your story, if you're willing to share is the moment after you had Pia or like in the real postpartum depression that you expressed to me in your initial email that mm-hmm. like really took you out. Are you comfortable speaking to that experience for our listeners? Can I mm-hmm. ask some questions? On yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, think, I, I think it would be so helpful. And again, like if there's anything mm-hmm. you don't want to say, we don't have to go there. Like, yeah safe space a hundred percent but you know I think that it really is interesting to hear that you say that you had to like feel the things and do the things in your body when you lost your mom and like have that communication but maybe you didn't like really feel and do the things in some ways so maybe that could have hit it there's so many avenues for postpartum depression so mm-hmm. I'm wondering for you did it feel immediate or was it like a slow uphill battle like from the moment that you had Pia did you feel did it start by feeling disconnected to her like anything like that or what was your postpartum journey I think it was slow um but it was the initial feeling I think it was definitely just a very feeling very lonely and very alone yeah um I think that was obviously heightened because of the pandemic because straight after that then it was like straight you know everyone was sheltered in place um and I think the four-belt life-altering event was that you know my career is a big part of my identity so having to I mean I was still sending emails which I don't I hate when people say I'm still like sending emails postpartum like because I don't recommend it like that's not healthy um but she did come three weeks early like I still had three weeks to get all my clients and all my paperwork done and my career is such a big part of my identity so the fourth life altering event was that I didn't have my identity as a as a therapist anymore it's just like having my career was my career was on hold and it was also on hold for we didn't know how long given the pandemic so um it just felt like I was, I felt like I was lost. Like I was, yeah, that's, that's the way I kept describing it to my husband. Like I just felt very lost and I felt very lonely. Um, and you know, that of course quarantine and shelter in place didn't, didn't help at all. Right. And what and were the, so much of the unknown a hundred, for everyone. I think that like, there was so many different feelings that hit at so many different times and to have to have a new baby in that in yeah. that is like so difficult in itself you know I can't even imagine I have such like empathy for all new parents in the times of COVID it's like a whole different time right like parents mm-hmm. that were stuck from working from home with new babies all of it could go on and on but what was that process like for you as 
someone who had all the tools in place and knew all the things yet couldn't even use them to your advantage? Like, how did that happen? Because you were feeling so low or like, what was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was I able to like, you utilize those tools? Because weren't you saying that like, once you, you know, you have all this training, you like Mm -hmm. are prepared for anything in the whole Mm -hmm pre-natal space, post-natal, all of it. And you mentioned that like, once you had Pia, obviously you went into this postpartum depression, but you couldn't even use the tools that you had yourself. Is that because yeah. you're feeling low? Like you just didn't, you couldn't even put in the energy to use those tools. Like what was that process? Yeah, I was feeling very low. I was feeling very angry. It's like my postpartum yeah. depression came up a lot, very much and like with a lot of anger. And I, at the same time, I also felt just angry at systems, you know, because yeah. I also knew that I'm in the, the role I was in now, like I was a mother, I, I wasn't a therapist. And so it, the burden shouldn't be, was, shouldn't be on me to utilize all my tools. Like the yeah. system should be showing up yeah. for me to provide the support that I need in those moments, because I'm showing up as a mother, not as a therapist. So I think, um, because there was just so much anger there that, and just from the postpartum depression, and then just anger, angry that there was no type of mental health supports for me. Like they gave me um, some consult calls, like for 20 minutes, and they told me to sleep train my baby, and like that's pretty much all that they told me. And um, again, no shame for sleep training, but that's like in that moment right. that right. wasn't helping me. Right. Um, yeah, I needed to work through all the loss and just like be feeling isolated and I needed more than 20 minutes yeah and that was basically all your insurance was providing you is what I'm understanding right like you didn't Mm -hmm. have the means through your insurance were like not the means and they weren't necessary and then any of the other means are pretty much inaccessible for most people if not all people it's like it's insane what it takes to get proper mental health care yeah. And it's completely inaccessible for someone on maternity leave with 55% of your salary. And also not to mention like everyone else with like the other, the other person who's supposed to be the breadwinner, their, their hours are also getting cut because of COVID as well. So right. it's just completely unattainable to be able to seek outside support. Um, obviously we would have put an emphasis on it if I, I did really need it, but at the same time, people who are trained in perinatal mental health is also very difficult to find. So I was really relying on the behavioral health department within the OB department to help me and seek the specific support that I needed because I didn't want to just speak to a therapist on any that has um, a very generalized training, right? I, because of my training, I really wanted someone who was well-versed in perinatal mental health. So and that's also was, another piece. Do you think that the lack of resources was the hardest part for you? Because you that just almost made you feel more alone. Um, that part and um, the un, the all the unknown because like when you're a new parent, you already have to like try to figure out how you're going to keep this baby alive and put them on a schedule. Right. But there's so much pressure to put her on a schedule, get her to bottle feed. But then I'm like, but why am I putting all this pressure on myself? when we don't even know when she's going to get out of quarantine. Like, so why not? Go? So my instincts were telling me, can't we just go with the flow and live every day? Because I don't right. know when I'm going to get out of the situation, but there's so much pressure 
to do the complete opposite, right? Because everyone has their opinions on what to do. So that was another big piece. Um, and then I would say the third big piece was that um, Pia had a lot of like not medical complications, but she had a tongue tie and a lip tie and which went undiagnosed again because she couldn't go to all the um, well baby visits that she needed to go to. So we were really struggling with breastfeeding. So I got mastitis four times. And so that was that's also medical trauma because like your body is completely out of service while you're dealing with mastitis um, and it's extremely painful. Um, and we weren't getting the lactation support that I needed. So we did go out of pocket to get a private um, IBCLC. So it's internationally board certified lactation consultant because there's lactation consultants in the hospital in the doctor's office, but if they're not going, if they don't go through the proper training, then it's just really someone who has like a certificate in lactation, but they, but not all doctors have training in lactation. So you really want to go with somebody who that's actually their job. So for us, it was like either find outside therapy or pay all this money for outside lactation support. And I was like, my body needs it. Pia needs to feed. So let's go with paying for private lactation support. So I think it was just like the medical, the unknown. Yeah, it was everything. I got like the the perfect cocktail for postpartum depression in those moments. We all know just how hard it is to be alone with your thoughts. And especially even after listening to this episode, how hard it is to find a therapist that is there to meet your needs and is there to comfort and nurture you through all the things that you're going through. That's why we're sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. They have a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to the help that may not be available in your area. I mean, they make it super simple. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to kind of assess your specific needs, and then they get you matched with a perfect therapist for you in under 48 hours. And guess what then? If that therapist still isn't right, They are happy to help you request a new therapist with no additional charge because we all know that finding the right therapist is like online online dating. But BetterHelp makes it so easy, so accessible, and is just such an incredible platform that I personally can't wait to use as I'm in the market for a new therapist. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist today. Plus, we have a code for you. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash all the babies. That's betterhelp.com slash all the babies. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry that you had to deal with all of these things all at once. I think it speaks measures to who you are and the strength that you have, and especially like what you're doing now, which makes it mm-hmm. again, so beautiful and full circle because, because of your lack of access, you were like, it's time to create access for so mm-hmm. many others, which I'm, it's so admirable and, and incredible, but I mean, how, how did you get out of, because I feel like with the unknown with that is coming like constant anxiety too. Cause you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do there. And then the medical support and all of these things. So what was like the, the moment where you were able to really see clearly step out 
and a step out of your depression and how did you even step out of it and then come up with the idea for perinatal circle of care like how how did the calm you know after all of this come about um i think finding yeah i think finding the lactation support was a big aha moment you know we found lactation support she worked with us for like six months we got pn and a chiropractor um and we would see her two times a week and so really just build i chose to ask for feeding, I chose to find a circle of feeding support rather than mental health support. But I think okay. the feeding support really helped me to be able to focus on one thing. Okay. Um, so once we were really able to get that, get everything figured out, get our feeding journey just like on a roll, smooth, that really helped a lot because it just really helped me just decide I'm doing what I want to do with Pia. I'm doing, I'm feeding her the way I want to feed. I'm letting her feed to sleep if that's what she wants, because we just had such a hard rough start that I don't have the energy to focus on all the other recommendations of getting her on a schedule doing this. I'm like, because it's also unknown. So I think that the feeding support really helped me get to the aha moment where I'm like, we don't know when this is going to end. It's just me and Pia for, I mean, my husband was in an, he never stopped working because um, he's in the wine industry and everyone needed wine apparently during the pandemic. So he never got to stay home. He stayed home for two weeks. But after that, I just kept telling Pia, I'm like, this is all we got. It's just me and you. Um, so we're this small little team and we don't know when we're going to end. This is going to end. So we just have to do it. We just have to, you know, get out of the house. We have to put on our butter, all the babies, and we just have to do this. Like, that's what we have to do. And I'm going to feed you however I want to feed you. I'm going to let you sleep wherever you want to sleep. Yeah. Um, Because, and again, that I can't even say that was a privilege of mine because like I was forced to stay at home. So like I would have probably had to return to work at three, four, six months. Um, But we were at home for like almost but her yeah her her first birthday is when I returned 40 hours or 40 hours a week so I was like there's no point in me adding all this pressure so much time was already robbed so I'm gonna do whatever feels right to us and I told my husband I'm like everything all the research I sent you about like putting on this schedule all that because every like because all I had was also Google or just like Instagram so I would always be sending him I'm like read this should we do this schedule should we do that schedule should we do this feeding thing and I'm like, this all, all out the window. Let's just start from scratch. We got the hang of breastfeeding. We're just, we can't get therapy right now. There's a huge wait list. So let's just do what my body and what P is telling us to do. And we're going to be okay. We weren't completely okay. There were still very dark, very hard moments. There still are. Um, but, you know, there was the moment where I like, I we went to see his family and I was like, it didn't all seem so gloomy to me. Like it felt a little bit brighter. I felt like I was able to to actually talk to people and actually laugh because Mm. we just really got a, we got some control back over what we wanted to do in our life as first time parents. Wow. I mean, even you choosing to do the, the like lactation support instead of the mental health support, I think is so big too, as a decision because that's also not easy, right? But yet that decision ultimately did benefit you because it created consistency, it created ease and like mm-hmm. all of these things. And I think that that's really helpful for our listeners too to hear because it's like, 
sometimes you do have to make decisions, sacrifices, things, and it's like, it's not easy and we can't get it all right. Yeah. But no, it, it also shouldn't be that way either. Totally. Like I think that's, it goes back to why I created this because it shouldn't be that we have to choose lactation over mental health support. Like, or any of the other things that we're having to choose right. over. Like, it's never mm-hmm. ending, but I think it's really inspiring just to see that in that moment you were like, this is the best thing I can do for me and my baby. And like, this is what I have to do yeah. right now. And, and if it's like the, the first step to dig me out of like what I'm having to go through, then absolutely let's go there. I guess my follow-up question to that, because so many women experience postpartum depression and it's just now starting to be talked about, like it's barely talked about in Mm -hmm. really real ways is like, what other things did you ultimately do and maybe still do to support now your own mental well-being and like take care of you? Because that is also so important too. Like, how did you feel better you know, it could be as simple as getting out and walking 10,000 steps in a day, you know, anything like what, it, what were your ways of coping and feeling and feeling better after you figured out the lactation support? Mm-hmm. I honor everything I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, even on the bad days with Pia, you know, I, I remind myself that you're allowed to have bad days and the, the, it's, there's always time for repair. And, um, I also honor my mom's experience and that she did the best she could with me. And so, um, I really just try to focus on like, what, what do I need to work on? And I really connect that to why was it, why is it so hard? Like, for example, for me, it's patience. Like I have a really hard time with being patient. Like my two-year-old tests all my patients and I always, am just very like honoring of like, I got that from my mom. Like sometimes it was really hard for my mom to be patient because she was also doing the best she could. And so I think by always reminding myself that it always is connected to something, it's not anyone's fault. Um, And there's always a chance for repair that just like really helps me just end the day and be like, there's always a chance tomorrow. And like you repaired with her today and you're going to try better tomorrow. Um, So that's like a big one just like honoring those feelings um another one is I you know there's always like the whole like I do work out and and there's and things like that um but then I always remind I choose I I decide what I'm choosing like so like I say if I say I'm I'm gonna work out then that's what you chose and so you're gonna have to take a quicker shower because you chose to work out today and so again we shouldn't have to choose between the two but that's where the reality that we're at right now but I always have to remind myself but you did get this chance to to um be with yourself and work out and the same thing like if I was on my phone a little bit longer then I'm like you chose to be on your phone a little bit longer today and there's nothing wrong with that but that was your self-care that you chose so just like again it goes back to not being hard on myself like choosing what I'm choosing to take care of myself and then saying next tomorrow maybe don't don't be on your phone a little bit longer and you can work out a little bit longer um, I love that. it's amazing mm-hmm. how simple it is honestly just to be grateful and to be present and I love I love that I'm gonna do that those things that you said I'm gonna honor I'm gonna choose was there more mm-hmm. I'm just like I'm so into it I don't want to cut that you off there I just love um that. I mean, community is a big one for you guys. And it's a big one for me. That community includes um, 
my personal community and also my professional community. I honestly could not have gone through these first two years without the supervisors and directors that I have at my agency. They're all parents. Um, and so just being able to come in on Monday morning and being like, oh my God, like having a two-year-old is so freaking hard. And my boss being like, I know, like I remember those days and just like being able to crack up at just like my moments where I'm like, what the fuck is happening? She's just like, I know, I still have those moments. And so having that at 10 a.m. on a Monday morning literally yeah. was what has saved me so many weeks because I just, it's all, it's, she just, they just normalize everything for me. And not, they remind me that not everything is about work, work, work. And they can see in my face, like, well, do you feel like you just need a break today? Like, would you rather just do this today? Do you want us to have this meeting? So having employers who actually care about your mental health and are aware that you're a mom who's in the trenches of it and that you're struggling, yeah. like that's been a big thing for me as well. I love that. It's so important. And it also makes you do such a better job at work because you feel so supported. So it's just like this yeah. beautiful synchronicity that is so important. So all that to say you created something incredible because of what you experienced, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like going through mm -hmm. all of that was so shocking mm -hmm. to you that you couldn't find those resources that you were like, I need to put things in my own hands and like figure something out. So tell us how, yeah. like when you, that kind of clicked that you were like, I, there has to be something better out there. How quickly it was that you were able to like create it and how it's doing now. Like, I'm just obsessed with it and I want everybody to know about it. Mm -hmm. So do I. <laughs> um, thank you for being as obsessed as I am with it. Um, it's just so needed. It's so good. I know it's so needed. And I'm really hoping we can expand, but right now we're tiny. So um, before I was going to come back to work full time, I, I get it. Like you said, I was like, there has to be more than this. Like there's right. no way that the most an insured, a privileged insured person can get is a 20 minute consult call once a week that tells them just leave train your baby. That's not, there has to be more than, than, than that. Uh, so I emailed my, like I was in the trenches of it still, like I was putting Pia to sleep and I was just so tired. And I felt that was like the moment that I felt the most lost. And I was like, I have to go back to work soon. And I love working with the little ones. Like I love zero yeah. to five. But I was like, but well, my training is perinatal mental health and there's nothing for moms. So I, or just not a lot for moms. So I emailed my executive director. I'm like, I know it's super late. Like, um, you don't have to respond to this, but I want to come back to work soon full time. But I really want to focus on providing perinatal mental health services to our community. We can't do that at our agency right now because Medi-Cal doesn't cover it. And I just feel like there's a huge gap in services and we could provide so many prevention intervention services if we were to get them during pregnancy so that then we wouldn't be getting all these referrals postpartum. So, or we would probably still provide, be providing the services postpartum, but at least they would have already had our support and our relationship during pregnancy where they feel comfortable enough to also include their baby with us in the services. So I was like, we just, I, I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know if this is something we can do. This is just an idea, but I honestly, this is what I want to do coming back. Like, this is my training. This is my passion. So I'm putting it out into the universe. And um, he emailed me the next day and he's like, we found, we have this grant and we don't know 
what to do with it. We were going to do, do something else with it, but then your email fell, like I got your email and he's like, how would you feel about creating a, like a, a pilot program for it? And I was like, still at home with Pia. I'm like a pilot. Pro I'm like, I just said like, can we provide these services? Right. But like a whole program, I was like, uh, so I just like sat with the email and I'm like, what am I going to do with the whole program? Like I'm barely, I'm still getting my hours. Um, I'm, I've never created a developer program before. I've never run a program before. Like, how am I going to do this? So that like, yeah, that was within like a couple of months. Um, we sat down with, with both my directors and they're like, if you're very serious about this, like, what's your five-year plan? Like, do you see this being long-term? Do you see you staying here long-term? And I'm like, I don't have experience doing it, but I'm like, but it's needed and nobody else is doing it. So, you know, you as an agency have a really huge opportunity to create a program focused on perinatal mental health. And like, if I can run it, then, and you trust me enough to run it, then yeah, let's do it. So that was August of last, no, that was like April of last year. And so we were just like busy writing up the grant to try to get the grant um from april to august i think and we just had like no notice of if we we're going to get it or not at this point i was back in the therapist position i was in before and so everything was kind of just like up in the air and i still really wanted to do perinatal mental health but i but at the same time my sister was like you just need to trust the process like these this agency has shown up for you they let you extend your maternity leave for a year they have been like your biggest support during this whole time like you need to trust this process and you need to trust them um, so I stuck with it and then like in August, we were supposed to already have started the program in August and in August they told us we got the grant. So we just had to like scramble and figure out what we were doing. And so, um, my other director and I, we just would sit in meet, what, weekly meetings and just like brainstorm and figure out what we wanted to do. And we created the perinatal circle of care in August of last year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so we're coming up on the year. That is in just like that, like boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you made it happen that quickly. All of the various services that you provide now, and and if they're not in California, if they can still come to you guys for guidance, care, just like a quick how that works, and then we'll kind of mm -hmm. wrap up with you giving all the ways that we can find you and support you. Yeah. So um, right now, because of the grant, again, it's, it's our newest program here. It's the smallest grant. So we can only provide services to families living in Richmond. But because okay. we keep doing these types of meetings where everyone's like, well, but I need it here. I need it there. Right. Um, this is Contra Costa County. So there's like, so we're kind of a little bit out of San Francisco. San Francisco's Alameda, we're Contra Costa County. So we're this um, smaller community, um, wait, like, a little ways away from San Francisco, just to orient everyone where we are. But um, so we keep having these meetings and everyone's like, this is so needed. Like, where have you all been? Because like, again, I think what everyone's really interested in is that we're not in doing individual therapy. We're really holding the relationship between the mom and the baby, even during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So we're not just like, you know, telling the mom to go on a walk or we're not just doing, providing brief therapy sessions to mom. It's always the focus on baby and mom's relationship together and um, mom's ability to, or enhancing mom's ability to protect and nurture and provide safety to her baby. Um, all while still moms benefit from it because it's all still including their past experiences, everything they've been through and really exploring how that has an, an impact on 
the way that they're raising their baby and on their relationship with baby. So I think that's really very important to people because they're like, wow, so now it's not just baby separate, mom separate, we're really holding them together. So we're trying to expand, but for right now, we can only, we can only provide services to mothers or to families living in Richmond because of the smaller grant we have. Okay. There are a couple bills that the White House is trying to pass, um, and we're hoping that, that then we can get funding from there to really expand our services, especially with everything that's going on right now. Right. And so, like, that's just my big plug. I'm like, well, you know, if everyone will if it really is about moms and babies, then donate to nonprofits who are doing the work with moms and babies, you know, like if you really care about everyone's lives and here are nonprofits actually doing the work with moms and babies and moms and babies need the support. So we provide dyadic therapy. So that's a therapy with mom and baby during starting. And we are hoping to keep providing this therapy during pregnancy and all the way until the baby's first um, birthday. Okay. And, um, our services right now are completely free. They don't need insurance to be able to participate in our services. We provide the services over Zoom. We provide them. We also do home visits um, and they can always come to our office as well. Yeah, like the home visits thing is a, it's a huge piece. Like when, I, my, when I'm sitting in my therapy sessions, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what would I have given to have a therapy therapist come in? Like home. so I could just roll out of bed at 10 a.m. with my baby in my arms, just nurse her real quick. And then here's a therapist providing the services that I need, right? Oh. Like what better way to start your day? So yeah, we have a great opportunity to be able to do that. We also provide um, support groups. So what we're trying to do is that we're getting um, a lot of a lot of referrals for mothers postpartum. And since a lot of our services, we're trying to focus on them during pregnancy and postpartum. And right now we don't have the capacity to provide um, the, ther- the dyadic therapy to all the referrals we get because we're still a small team. It's myself and my other therapist, Daya. It's just us right now because we just lost another therapist. So we're looking for another therapist, but we also need more funding to be able to acquire a full-time therapist. Right. Of course. That's what I'm saying. The services are here. We need, yeah, everyone wants to love moms and babies. So. And you would think the funding would be so accessible and that the people would be flocking to this, but here you are mm-hmm. like, with a small grant. Yeah. Is there a way to donate? or on the website or anything? Yeah, like on the on the website, donating to our agency. Yeah, and then okay. specifying that it's for PCOC. Yeah, so we can dive into that. So um, so what we're trying, so what we're, our hopes is that once we start getting more referrals for postpartum moms, what we're going to do is we're going to create support groups based on those referrals for mothers and postpartum so that then we're also, we're providing therapy, but we're all getting them off wait lists and, but we're also providing spaces where they can be in community with other moms who have similar experiences or who are going through it in similar stages during the baby's life. So we will wow. be doing that. Those support groups are also going to be free. They're going to be in English and in Spanish. Um, and then we provide um, monthly community gatherings. And so the last one we had was in May for a Mother's Day celebration. We had um, like a table to create bouquets for the mom, a banner, a table for mom to do arts and crafts, like to create a banner for their babies and then just like dinner for them. And what we're trying to do with that is just like have moms, like even if they're not in the program, come get to know the therapist, come get to know other moms who are in the program. And then also just like not have the pressure of having to cook dinner for a day. Yeah. And it was a beautiful thing to see. They came 
and we had moms who had more than one baby. Then we had a mom who was in, who just had her first baby. And I was like getting everything going or cleaning up and I could just hear them swapping birth stories. And I'm like, yes, like this is what I'm doing. It's like, here's this mom who just had her first one, like swapping birth stories with a more experienced mom. And they're just both bonding over it. They're both normalizing and validating their feelings around mm. it and that's exactly why I created this program so it was a beautiful thing to hear and see wow. um and then the final thing what is providing more concrete support and where we're trying to connect moms to additional resources in the community we also provide them with um we ask them to create like a virtual baby registry and then PCOC goes in and we order things from their baby registry. Our goal was to have like a baby shower for them, but because of COVID, we want to keep everybody safe because it's a vulnerable population because they're so young and, and moms are pregnant and, you know, they have right. fears around babies being with others. So what we're doing is we're just like sending the baby shower to them. And so we have them create a virtual baby registry and we order things from there so that they can have things. So we really emphasize like, this is for you this is for your baby. Like this is, we want you to use this money for things that make you feel good things that you like. Cause a lot of times like in the baby registry, you're not thinking about things that like, Oh, I'm going to want like something to take a nice bath with. Or right. you're always thinking about like nipple pads, nipple shields, which all of that is great. Add that to the baby registry, but we're also like, just add some fun things in there. This is for you and baby. This is like yeah. on our program, order some fun things. Um, and then the other piece of the concrete support is that we're, again, like trying to bridge that gap between our clients and the medical providers. And so we okay. are really trying to be in contact with their medical providers since the beginning of um, once we do like our opening sessions with them, we ask for releases of information so we can talk to their medical providers, let them know, hey, these families are working with us. If you have any, like if mom's not if mom's frustrated about something, isn't understanding something, please feel free to contact us. We can all be in, we can go to the prenatal meetings, um, prenatal appointments with you all. We can really be there to really support mom and understanding everything that's being said to her, advocate for mom, because what we often, you know, the reality is that the maternal mortality rate here in the United States is horrendous, yeah. um, especially for women of color and black women. And so what we're really trying to do is advocate for them every step of the way so that their needs are heard, their baby's needs are heard, and also that they hear what the doctor is telling them and there is nothing being lost in translation. So that's also another big piece of our program as it's well. It's so good. It's so good. I can't believe what you've been able to create and do in, in a year. I mean, mm -hmm. that gives me so much hope. I, I just really want people to get behind this and to fund this so that it can be spread across the U.S. because it's so important. You know, like I'm in France right now, obviously the, the <laughs> healthcare is so different. The accessibility is so different. The opportunities are so different when it comes to moms and babies and even time off and all of it. And there's so many resources out there for women here. And to think yeah. that there's so few access and you had to experience this firsthand like so little access and you had to experience this firsthand and now you're just out here trying to like spread the word and help all these moms and babies yet the money is like the one stifling thing it's mm -hmm. deeply saddening to me because I could see something like this just shaking the ground in a really really amazing way and helping so many yeah. women so as small as we are as a podcast still, I hope that this continues to spread the word for it. Um, I also, can you share uh, 
where we can find you, how we can reach out to you, like your website, your Instagram, maybe your email. Mm-hmm. If moms want to reach out, anything that you can share on the company. Yeah. Um, so we, again, we can, while we can only provide services to mothers in Richmond right now, right. I'm all, we're all about spreading the word and getting access helping moms find access to care. And so even if I can't provide services to you, we can connect you with services. Um, I help is out there. Like, I also don't want to say like, I'm the only program in the world. No, doing this, right? Because there is, yeah, there is help out there, but the thing is like, it's not all funded. It's not all talked about. And so, but I am connected to certain people who are doing this work too. And so, and they're not all here in Richmond. So I would love to connect people to the help that, yeah. that they need. Um, so they can contact me at P Escobedo. At P E S C O B as in boy E D O at E C M H P dot org. Amazing. So that's where they can contact me directly. Um, all our programs information is at E C M H P dot org. And so there's more information about Peridial Circle of Care. There's also my contact information there. Um, you know, if you want to donate to our program and you care about moms and babies, then that's the perfect way to show that you really care about moms and babies. So yes, yeah, that's all, all that information is also there as well. If you want to, you know, connect and also if other people out there are doing this work or moms are more interested in learning about doing this work, feel free to, you know, connect with me as well, because I know that this is extremely needed and it I can't be doing it all by myself so if there's a therapist out there who's interested in perinatal mental health too you can reach out yes I mean this was so knowledgeable and amazing and I think it was really special to hear your story and what led you to doing this work it's just so needed it's fantastic I can't say enough good things so thank you thank you for like even studying all of this so that you can spread this for being a therapist for doing all that you're doing and um i think that big things are going to happen and you're going to continue to help so many women and children so thank Mm -hmm. you for that and thank Thank you you for reaching out and 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 connecting with us because hearing these Mm -hmm. stories is so important to us and creating this community is everything so This talk was really, really special. Everything you said was special. And do you have any, anything for me? Do you feel good? Do, do you want me, is there anything else you want to add that I've missed before I kind of call this? No, I think we got everything up. Thank you, you for what you're doing, um, for all the joy you brought to moms and babies. You know, I think you know, even through your, your sweatpants have really brought a lot of joys to moms and babies. And you can just see that in the pictures. And um, even with the moms that I've connected who also love all the babies, like we're just so comfy. And we just, you know, I think especially you, you created your brand right when moms needed to feel good and feel comfortable and just feel connected to their babies. And you did that through clothes. That's so sweet. Well, if you ever need, if you ever have moms who need clothing, um for them and their babies please reach out to us we have plenty of you know that's part of our program we have a give back program so if there's anything around there or women that you connect with that need clothing babies let us know we would love to support you guys in that way and i'm definitely gonna 
make a donation to the incredible work you're doing on behalf of all the mm -hmm. Thank so you grateful. so much, Jenny. Thank oh you so God. much for interviewing us. It was great. It was so good to meet you and to talk with you. This is not the last time. I promise you that. We're really trying to expand, do more events. So I will absolutely mm -hmm. keep you top of mind for that. And um, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing your story. It means so much to me, like meeting are well you started as a customer but now i'm just like mm -hmm. i want to ask you everything now you're a friend and now you're so much more so thank you for everything for your words for sharing this and i'm really excited for people to listen to this i think it's going to be really really special so yeah and i hope everyone takes it with a grain of salt you know if yes. you have more questions about anything that i said want to have a healthy dialogue about anything i said the work i'm doing i'm all always open to it Oh, you're amazing. And big hugs to Pia. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have so much fun in France and everywhere else that you're doing. Oh my God. Thank Live you. Live it, it up great for all chat. of us over here. I yeah. shall. Take care. You too. Bye. <laughs> Bye.